Valuations are same and people are building. And so that's what you want as an investor and as a long-term believer in this technology. Nothing gets done during a bull market. Welcome to a bit cryptic podcast where we interview top crypto experts to take you down the rabbit hole into the world of cryptocurrency. Now, it's time to get a bit cryptic. Okay, so how's it going, Kryptonauts? I'm currently here at Art Decentralized, an event here at Nikki Beach in Miami, Florida. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jeremy Gardner, who's a serial blockchain entrepreneur and venture capitalist. He's known for building the infamous Crypto Castle in San Francisco, as well as Augur and the Blockchain Education Network. He's been up to a lot of interesting stuff lately. And so I wanted to talk to the man himself and uh, see what interesting projects he has up the pipeline or down the pipeline, I should say. So great to have you on the show, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Could you just tell us like very briefly about your background and then what you're up to these days? Sure. I mean, I got into crypto about a half decade ago. I had been in the world of politics, got disillusioned by that and saw a tremendous amount of potential in initially Bitcoin as this mean to, means to frictionlessly exchange value with anyone anywhere in the world. And soon thereafter, realized that this whole blockchain component was re- idea was really compelling, not just Bitcoin. So I founded the Blockchain Education Network, global educational nonprofit, Dropped out of school, founded Augur, one of the first decentralized applications ever built on Ethereum, first utility token ever created. Then joined uh, Blockchain Capital as an entrepreneur in residence. I ended up joining full time, investing in startups, and then still building my own founded distributed magazine during that time, which is a 108 page primer on blockchain technology. And then also founded a company called Sava, which does authentication for large corporate entities. And most recently launched my own hybrid venture hedge fund focused on the intersection of blockchain technology and social impact. I like how it takes a solid three to five minutes just to describe all the projects you've been part of. It just shows how uh, prolific you've been. That's my one minute intro. I, uh, three minutes would be embarrassing because I, I try to k- keep it quick there. So what, I mean, you've been doing a lot. What has been one of your favorite things you've done so far? Because obviously some things may have been more fun than others. What, what has just been really the most enjoyable for you personally? I mean, entrepreneurship is really hard. Startups are really hard. Whenever you're founding something, building something for the first time, it's really tough. Even the beginning of this venture fund was incredibly difficult. Fortunately, once we got through all the operational, legal components, fundraising, the venture funds have been a, just a pure joy. I mean, there's nothing more reaffirming or empowering than the concept of giving idealistic entrepreneurs the money to realize their dreams. Whether those dreams are fulfilled or not doesn't even matter. It's if this person has a great idea and they want to make the world better and giving them the money to do that, that is the best use of my money and the best use of almost anyone's money. I mean, it's perhaps the greatest form of philanthropy because if these companies are truly socially impactful, they will make the world better at scale and affect tens of millions or hundreds of millions of people's lives. And that's incredibly important. I mean, there's a lot that could be fixed in the world. So essentially, your ultimate goal is is empowerment of other people who have amazing projects and uh, helping them in a way you've been helped in order to 
like you said, change the world. Yeah, I d- you know, my Instagram profile says it best. I explore the intersection of blockchain technology, social impact, and debauchery. <laughs> I think, especially in Miami, we can relate to that. You know, we're, we're a little bit of everything. Exactly. Social impact and debauchery especially. I mean, we're here, we're doing the interview at Nikki Beach right now. For those of you who aren't Miami folks, it's a awesome nightclub. Not nightclub, a uh, day club. Brunch club, Brunch yeah. Club, yeah. <laughs> uh, best place to be on a Sunday. So, you're working on a venture capital fund right now. Is that is that mainly what you're focused on these days? Yeah, I mean, I'm still the editor of my magazine. I'm still a board member at my nonprofits. But at the end of the day, you know, a venture fund should be a fairly full-time job. Although, I'm starting a new company right now because I just the entrepreneurial drive never kind of diminishes. Yeah, of course. I understand that too. I mean, running this podcast was a similar kind of uh, drive for me. I also heard you're starting like a, a crypto castle here in Miami. Yeah, so that, I guess that's another venture is that I I was thinking about moving part-time to Miami. I decided to make the move and then I was going to get a condo in Brickle, but I was like, that's boring. Like, why do, would I want to do that? And the whole crypto castle formula, I mean, that's worked for half a decade now in San Francisco. It's progenated hundreds of millions of dollars in startups and it's minted over a half dozen multi-millionaires. It's, why not try to do that in uh, Miami? bit higher end. Like, you know, we've actually got more of a castle-like place. We've got water access. We've got a pool. It's far more grandiose than most houses I'd consider inhabiting, except for the fact that the whole crypto castle model makes it very affordable for me to live in a very decadent place. Right. Because you, you can basically get paid to live there as opposed to... Or make yeah, money. Yeah, I, I try know. not to make money. And if I, if I make money on a certain month or something, I'll invest it back in the house. I'll buy a bunch of food, alcohol, throw a party. I don't do it to make money. I'll have a crypto castle trademarked now just so it doesn't get used egregiously. Yeah, yeah. You don't want that getting in the wrong hands. Yeah. So why Miami? I mean, there's a lot of places you could have done this, like Vegas or, you know, maybe somewhere in Europe or... Well, why, so, why Miami? So, for me, one, I love the water. I love the beach. I love sunshine. I already have a nice, beautiful, cloudy city. That's San Francisco. I don't want to be in the middle of that desert, so I don't really want to be in Vegas. Austin is still not really near the water. I love Nashville, once again, kind of waterlocked. And those are the, the you know, and as someone that constantly travels the world, it was crazy that I was paying taxes in California when I was there two months a year. And so I wanted to think about a state where I could kind of optimize for uh, my taxes. But more importantly, and the, the, the key driver was the fact that I run a social impact fund. The fact is that blockchain technology and crypto assets are not going to be socially impactful in the United States first. They're going to be most likely, in my view, uh, socially impactful in Latin America. And guess what the financial hub of Latin America is? It's Miami. This is more North Havana than it is any part of the United States. And so for me to be close to people coming from there, whether it was politicians, financiers, entrepreneurs, Miami is a much better stepping stone to Latin America than San Francisco ever will be. And if, I, if we really want to make an impact with that, this technology, we need to be closer to the problems that we're solving. So that was, that, that was the main driver and the food's fabulous. The women are beautiful. I mean, I don't want to be here in the summer, but th- this will definitely be a place I call home. Yeah, I agree with uh, what you just said there. Someone was asking me, you know, why why Miami? Like, what's happening with blockchain in Miami? And I basically get the same answer. It's like the hub of Latin America. And there's no other city in Miami, yeah. in uh, the United States, that really can have that 
and link to like me, we have. It doesn't need to be a hub necessarily for startups to be founded. It needs to be a connective tissue. It's this connective tissue between popular culture, the arts, entertainment, Latin America, and even Europe. All the wealthy Europeans come here to vacation. This is if you want to meet people in the winter, United States winter. This is one of the best places to be. And then in the summer, all the Latin Americans are up here. So it's really around the clock. If you want to connect to those in places of power and wealth and authority, um, it, it's really not a bad hub. And as we begin to think about crossing the chasm of a mainstream adoption of crypto assets and blockchain tech, it's not going to be done in San Francisco. It, you know, Silicon Valley is this very insulated hub of incredible innovation and brilliant people, but it's not really connected to the rest of the world in the way that Miami is in this very strange way. It's, a, it's Once again, it's this sort of connective tissue. I've never heard Miami described as a connective tissue. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you only need to look at Basel to see how that's true. Literally, every rich fuck on the planet is here in this city this week. There's really very few events like that uh, that exist on the planet. You know, you have, uh, you have Basel in Switzerland, you have Davos, but like, what events bring all the rich and powerful to one place and across the spectrum? You're talking about music artists, you're talking about like visual creative types, you're talking about bankers, financiers, venture capitalists, uh, just family offices. Everyone is here and uh, that's really important to take into account. I mean, when you're trying to change the world, you need to be uh, interacting with the people that are already in control of the world. Makes perfect sense to me. Just a question to wrap up because I have been asked this question a lot and so I'm really curious to hear your answer. You know, crypto is like, you know, tanked in value. Well, relative to last year. Relative to last year. And so a lot of people, a lot of enthusiasm that a lot of people had last year, which I think was more like a speculative fever than maybe like true caring about the technology. Where do you think crypto is, is headed in, in the near future and the far future? What do you think are the big trends we're going to see? Because I know you're behind the scenes and you get to see a lot of what's what's happening. I'm not in the business of price speculation. I think crypto hedge funds are stupid. But when it comes to thinking about the short-term trends, I mean, there's incredible core development. If you look at the technology from today versus a year ago, I think it's actually an order of magnitude better than it was, say for maybe Bitcoin. You know, this technology and use cases for blockchain tech and crypto assets have exploded over the past year, much in part to the the, the explosion of capital that came into the space. Uh, and so from an investment perspective, this is a great time to be investing. Everything's cheap. Uh, you know, valuations are sane and people are building. And so that's what you want as an investor and as a long-term believer in this technology. Nothing, nothing gets done dur- during a bull market. People are looking at their phones every 10 minutes to check the prices because waiting to become millionaire it's an unhealthy mindset it's like the kind of ipo boom of the the late 90s happens every two years in this industry and it's just insane uh we it's not good it's better to have iterative development and i think that will happen much more during these sorts of markets but in the long run crypto asset prices are going to the trillions of dollars or else it's going to zero as i said on stage it's not it, it can't occupy the space it's in right now where you know you have these like speculative valuations but nothing is really working yet either it will begin to work and everything will there will be a massive boon in crypto asset prices uh, of the ones that work or it will all go to zero because it turns out the tech doesn't work i'm betting on the former but uh it's a very binary outcome that and most people can't really appreciate that very very sith of you 
<laughs> black and white mindset. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. I know you got to run. Where can people find more about what you guys are doing, uh, what your projects are? Follow me on Twitter. It's disruptpreneur, kind of like entrepreneur and disrupt. And then awesome.vc, A-U-S-U-M.vc is my venture fund. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Any closing thoughts you have? Or, uh... oh, thank you very much for having me. All right. It's Jeremy Gardner. Thanks, guys. Pleasure, man. Thank you for listening to a Bit Cryptic podcast. A Bit Cryptic podcast is hosted by Alain Leon, Dang Du, and myself, Jeff Peterson. Show notes are by our editor in chief, Dang Du. Website is by Sammy Toucan and his team at Pack Surge Media. Remember, nothing we say in this show is meant to be financial advice. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening, and remember, keep it cryptic.